Hi everyone, this is Anna, and you're listening to my podcast on Heaven and Hell. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Heaven and Hell podcast uh, Sunday recap episode. I'm so excited to talk about today, this morning service. It was so good. And I'm so thankful that all of you are here. If you're listening to this on a Monday morning, I hope it's been good so far. I hope it's not a Monday-ish Monday for you. I hope it's really good. And if you're listening to this on any other day of the week, I hope it's a good day for you too. Thank you for listening. Um, Like I said, it was a really good service this morning. Joseph's message was so good. It was like inspirational, encouraging, but it's also deep and there was some teaching points in there. And so I can't wait to talk with you guys about those things, but let's just catch up really quickly. What's going on in life? It's back to school. That's like all I ever talk about because, well, I was an elementary school teacher for 10 years, but this year I've moved into a new position as instructional coach and I think I told you guys that we're a little short-staffed, but tomorrow um, the teacher that I was covering for starts, so I get to be full-time instructional coach doing my new job, and I'm really excited about that, and speaking of school, it's the beginning of the school year, so we have a kid service coming up at church in a few weeks. I think September 3rd is the date, and We're doing this because I told you guys a few months ago about our kids' revival when Caleb and Kelsey Lizenby came, and our kids loved it so much, and we had so many kids who just gave their life to the Lord, and kids who were baptized, and kids who were filled with the Holy Ghost, and it was such a good thing for our church. We decided that we want to do it more often, and so we decided to have a kids' service every other month, the first Sunday of every other month, and our first one will be in September. And so we're going to use that opportunity also to do our Sunday school promotion. And I know a lot of churches do this, but we have not ever done this before. So we'll be having like a little promotion ceremony. We have some kids moving from the elementary class to the middle school class. We've got some kids moving from the pre-K class to um, our lower elementary class, like our K2 class. And it's going to be a really big deal because some of the kids who are moving have been with those teachers for a really long time. So they're going to get to move to the next class and they're going to get a certificate and we're going to celebrate them. It's going to be really fun. So we've got that coming up and I'm trying to think of anything else we've got going on. We're doing small groups on Wednesday nights. We're talking through 1 John right now, and then we're going to do 2nd and 3rd John. And um, I think that's it. I think that's all we've got going on. So let's talk about the service this morning. I want to say a few things before I talk about the message because there were a lot of really good things that were said. And one of the things was um, we our praise and worship set we sang Glorious Day and then Believe for It 
and Waymaker. And I know every church sings Waymaker. And I even heard someone say it's been like the song of a generation. It's a powerful, powerful song. But Kim Walker, I think it's Kim Walker Smith does. And um, who does she sing with? Jesus Culture. They do a version of Waymaker and they add this verse that says, I've got joy unspeakable when I walk through the valley. And it just repeats that over and over. So if you think about the chorus, or I think it comes after the, even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. What does it say? You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. And then we say, I've got joy unspeakable when I walk through the valley. Just in case you want to ever sing it. That's how it goes. And you just repeat that over and over again. It's a 7 right? Same seven words. I've got joy unspeakable when I walk through the valley. A few more than seven words. Um, 11 times. But it's really good. And I said all that to say when Joseph got up from his message, this, what he said was just so good. He explained kind of what that means to have joy unspeakable when you walk through a valley it means that you know it's like the peace that passes understanding we don't always understand or it doesn't always make sense how you could have joy or how you could have peace when you're going through a hard time but that's one of the gifts that God gives us is that we have joy when we go through difficult situations and he said I just see people this week walking through their homes and singing that I've got joy unspeakable when I walk through the valley, he said, and I just see depression falling away and anxiety falling away and fear falling away. And so I just wanted to pull that in to the podcast today to say that if you, if you go to church on Sunday and you feel encouraged and you feel uplifted, but as soon as you leave, you feel defeated or you feel like you're walking right back into um, what you walked out of on Sunday, then I want to remind you that you can have that in your home. You can have joy unspeakable. You can have peace that passes all understanding. You can have, you can feel and experience the presence of the Lord in your home. And it begins with worship with prayer, making your home a place of prayer, making your home a place of praise. If your home is not a place where you can feel the presence of the Lord, you need to change that right now. Turn on your praise and worship music. I like to say that when I go to work, when I'm on my way to work or when I'm on my way home, I turn my praise and worship music up loud enough in my car that I can't hear the devil, that I can't hear those negative thoughts. So turn it up so loud in your home, sing at the top of your lungs, and declare that your home is going to be a place where joy and peace and where the presence of the Lord can be felt. So that's my encouragement for you this week. Um, But let's talk about the message. Okay, the message this morning was oh it had such a good title the title was tell hell i'm not coming and there's a lot to break down in this message so i'm going to try not to be too long-winded but i want to make sure that if you're someone who is in our congregation or if you're someone who watches 
the live stream um, who watches our service, I want to make sure that you understand everything that Joseph said. And if you are just listening to this recap, I want to make sure that what I'm saying makes sense, um, knowing that I'm going to leave out a few details. But Joseph started with the scriptures in Matthew 16, verses 13 through 18. And let me read them really quickly. I know it's a it's a more verses than I normally read on the podcast, but I think it's going to be important to understand. And I'm going to read from the English Standard Version, Matthew 16, verses 13 through 18. Is that what I said? All right. Verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So I actually read through verse 19. And the premise of this message was that we can look around in the world today, and it actually seems like hell is prevailing. If we think about hell as in Satan and his army and his tactics and, you know, the things that just sin and destruction and all of that. So if you think of it that way and you look around in the world, it's like, uh, it seems like hell is kind of prevailing here. You know, like all of these bad things are happening. Um, there are bad things that happen in the church and it just seems like how do in just the question is how do we make sense of this that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church when there is so much persecution of not even just in America but look at the church worldwide internationally there's so much persecution against the church how do we make sense of this so let me look back at my notes. I got off track. Um, the first thing that Joseph did, which you guys know I love, is he set the scene for us. And he talked about how when this scripture, when we read this scripture, we're picking up, Jesus had just, um, was it that he had just fed the multitude? And he's crossing the Sea of Galilee. And he comes to Caesarea Philippi. And this was a place that was near, like, the nation of Israel. It's in this same area, but there weren't as many Jewish people or people of God who lived here. There was a lot of pagan worship. There was a lot of other cultures that um, lived here, and so there were lots of things that were not um, of God, I guess you could say, happening in this area. And there's actually a place here um, in 
Caesarea Philippi, there was this place where they called, I put this in my notes, and I don't know if I got it exactly right. In the original language, it would have been like the cave of Pan, which is like the mouth of hell. And we know that Jesus, he loves a good illustration. So he chooses this place to reveal this truth to his disciples that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And we could look at these verses, we could break them down a lot. And we're not going to preach every, you could preach a thousand messages. We're not going to preach them all. But there's a few key points that we need to know here before we get to the tell hell I'm not coming part. One is that he chooses this place to ask them, who do men say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus tells him that flesh and blood has not revealed this to him, but his father who is in heaven. And um, he says, I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. And this is the first thing we have to understand when he says, on this rock I will build my church, he's not talking about Peter. Yes, the name Peter in the original language is Cephas, and that word sounds a lot like the Hebrew word for rock. And so again, Jesus is doing a play on words here, but he's not saying that Peter is the rock he's going to build the church on. And there are some, um, um, what am I trying to say? like belief systems that would say Peter is the rock that the church is built upon. And that's not what this scripture is saying. He says upon this rock, and when he talks about the rock, he's talking about this truth that Peter just said, that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. It's that truth that the church is going to be built upon. So you could say, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this truth, this rock that I am the Christ, the son of the living God, I will build my church. Elsewhere in scripture, we, we know that Jesus, he is the chief cornerstone. He is the firm foundation that the church is built on. So the truth that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, that's the rock that the church is built on. Joseph mentioned this, and I did not realize this. This was something that I learned this morning, that these scriptures are the first place that the church is mentioned. And so here at the very first mention of the church, we find out that the church is going to be built on the foundation of the revelation of who Jesus is. And the church is given assurance that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the church is given authority. God gives them the keys to the kingdom and says, whatever you Bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So we find here the church's foundation, the assurance that hell will not prevail against it, and the authority of the church that they have the keys of the kingdom. So all of these are really wonderful things. We could go many directions with this message. But Joseph chose to focus on the part where it says the gates of hell shall not prevail because... We're living in this time where it seems like that's maybe what is happening. So when we look at this scripture, then we have to ask ourselves, what are the gates of hell? 
And so Joseph did this great illustration of what a gate is. And he told this story about this man who had a weenie dog. And he built seven foot fences for his yard. And someone asked him, why did you build fences that tall when you have a weenie dog? And he said, well, it's not just to keep my dog in. It's to keep all the other animals out. And so we talk about, when we talk about the gates of hell, we're not talking about the lake of fire. We're not talking about even Satan. We're talking about the gate, the gates of hell. And this is where Joseph did some really good teaching. I told him, I said, like people were really backing him up. I said, but when you got to this part, it got really quiet. And it's because people were listening and it challenges what we sometimes think of here. Um, in scripture, there are several different words to describe hell. Let me see where I can find my note, my notes. So in the Psalms, David writes of Sheol. There's also Hades and then Gehenna. Well, Sheol is the grave or death. And then Gehenna is a place. It's the lake of fire. Both of those places are translated as hell or Hades, which is the Greek word for hell. And Joseph and I were actually talking about this on the way home. What has confused people a lot in their understanding of scripture today is that so much of our knowledge has gotten um, mixed in with our knowledge of like Greek and Roman mythology, because that has been that's it's in our books that we read. It's in the movies that we watch. It's in what our kids are at school is mythology. And in Greek mythology, you have Hades, who is the god of the underworld. And so what we've done is we've said that Satan is the god of the underworld. And that is not true. The Bible never says that. The Bible never says that Satan is the god of the underworld. The underworld. He's not the god of anything. And actually, he's not going to hell to rule and reign over hell. You don't either go to heaven with God or to hell with Satan. Now, Satan will be cast into the lake of fire. That's in the book of Revelation. We find that Satan will be cast into the lake of fire as a punishment, but not to rule there. So that's the first thing that we have to clear up. Um let me look back at my notes. That's in Revelation 20, if you want to read about that. It was so funny uh, when Joseph was preaching that. Granddad, I, I heard him. He called me. He said, that's good. And then he said, I mean, that's bad because we're preaching on hell. It feels weird to say that's good. So when the Bible says that Jesus, when he died, he went to hell and took back the keys, it doesn't mean that he went to the lake of fire. He went to this fire, fiery burning pit that we imagine hell to be. This is where the key to the message is. He went to the grave. He went to death. So the point is, what is, what are the gates of hell? The gates of hell, that's talking about death. So when Jesus told his disciples, he said, Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's saying that death 
will not prevail against the church. And just the very next scriptures, he tells them, he says, we're going to go back to Jerusalem and the scribes and the Pharisees, they're going to come against me and they're going to kill me. And the, and so that it makes so much sense that the reason he's telling them the gates of hell, death will not prevail against the church is because he's trying to prepare them. I'm going to die, but I don't want you guys to worry because death is not going to prevail against the church because our physical bodies will die but our spirit will live on in eternity. And if we have given our lives to God, we've already started on eternity because we've already been born again of the spirit. Our flesh bodies will die, but our spirit will live on. That's why death will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And that's why we can say, tell hell I'm not coming. My physical body will die, but I, my spirit will not die. It will live on. So, oh my goodness, that's so exciting. And that's why we can have joy. And that's why we can have peace. And that's why we don't view death as the world views death. And why we don't have to grieve like the world grieves. Because we know there is life after this. Okay. That was the main part of the message. I'm looking, I have so many, so, so, so many notes that I didn't talk about, but that was the message and I don't want to um, take away from it. Let's see. I'm reading through my notes. Death can't kill the church. Um, the wages of sin. This is so good. Let me look up these verses. First Corinthians 15, 55. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. I'm going to read this. These were the scriptures Joseph ended with. Oh, man. I'm not go I'm going to go back and read before where he started. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 50. It says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? In other words, death, you can't prevail. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Verse 56, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death, but Jesus paid the price so we can tell hell, I'm not coming. Hey, it's me again. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast today. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening so that you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Also, would you consider 
leaving a review or rating it. I would really appreciate it. It helps the podcast get into the hands, the ears of other people who need to hear about the Word of God. And if you've listened before, you know how I like to end every podcast. You are a Bible reader. You can understand the Word of God, and you will be changed by what you read. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.